Welcome to the It Is Written Podcast. As doubts about God's will arise, the world resorts to feelings and experts. We go to the law and to the testimony of God's Word. In today's episode, we are going to explore some statements Jesus made in Luke 17. What did Jesus teach concerning His kingdom, and did He say anything about when He would come back? I would like for us to look at a teaching in Luke 17. Jesus has wonderful teachings, and some of them are based on responses to questions and things he was asked. So would you read Luke 17, verses 20 and 21? When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, See here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. So they're asking about the kingdom of God, and their idea of the kingdom, their messianic kingdom concept, was not at all Jesus' concept. He said the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. This is not going to be some earthly reign with military power and opulence and so forth. He said this is a kingdom of God in your midst or within you. I think what he's saying is that Jesus' reign is an internal spiritual reign over men and their hearts and their lives. It's not a rule over territory like you often see in the world. Which is consistent with the rest of his teaching. It is, very much so. But he goes on from this, kind of uses this as a springboard to teach some things that I think are very important. So would you go ahead and read the rest of the chapter, verses 22 to 37? Sure. Then he told the disciples, the days are coming when you will... Long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. They will say to you, see there, or see here. Don't follow or run after them. For as the lightning flashes from horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. But first it is necessary that he suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a man on the housetop, whose belongings are in the house, must not come back down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked him. He said to them, where the corpse is, there also the vultures will be gathered. So Jesus is talking, I believe, about his second coming, and he's making several very important points for us to consider about that. First, he says that his second coming will be obvious. He says the days will come, in verse 22, when you'll long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you you will not see it. They'll say, oh, it's over there, it's over here. He says, don't run after them. Don't expect that Jesus is going to come back in some secluded corner that you're going to have to go look for him. He says, it's going to be like the lightning. The lightning is observable all over the the globe. You know, it'll be from one part of the sky to the other part of the sky. In other words, Jesus' return will be universal. It'll be unmistakable. It'll be something sudden and obvious to all. 
And it'll be after, of course, he suffered and, and died in this life. But his second coming will be something that will be highly visible. Everybody will know it. And the second thing he points out about his second coming is that he will come at a very ordinary time. That's, that's a sobering thought. People all the times are talking about the signs of the times and, and things by which you can tell that Jesus is coming back at a certain time. I remember when in 1988, I received a book saying, talking about the 88 reasons Jesus would return in 1988. When that didn't happen, the next year I got a book about the 89 reasons he'd return in 89. And people have been predicting Jesus' return for generations. But he says it's like in the days of Noah or Lot. The flood, obviously, was a critical event, but there was nothing to indicate that it was coming other than Noah's preaching. It was an ordinary time. People were going about their business, and all of a sudden, the world erupts in a flood. Or Sodom and Gomorrah. Other than the angels warning Lot, there was nothing to indicate that suddenly they were going to have a big storm of, of fire and brimstone. That's what happened. That's the way it'll be when Jesus comes back. It won't be at a time that you will be able to observe various signs and you can pretty close to pinpoint it. Maybe not exactly, but awful close. It won't be like that. There won't be any warning shots fired against the bow to alert people to the imminent judgment. It'll be just at an ordinary time when people are going about their daily activities. So we always have to be prepared. Then he talks about the right attitude to have when Jesus comes back. Look at 31. On that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. Likewise, the one who's in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. He's saying that for, to be prepared for Jesus' return, we have to have an attitude toward our earthly possessions that we're more than ready to leave them, that we are not attached to them. There's a warning about clinging to our earthly goods and our earthly possessions and being attached to the world that will keep us from being prepared for Jesus' return. Think about Mrs. Lot. She looked back, and we know she turned into a pillar of salt, but I think we sometimes have the wrong idea about why she looked back. This isn't because she really wanted to know what fire and brimstone looked like. She'd never seen that before or something like that. It's because she was longing to be back in Sodom. She wanted the pleasures and the closeness to the people and the security. She couldn't let go of Sodom. If we're like that with the world, if we can't let go of the world, we're not prepared for Jesus to come back. He said we need to lose our life to keep it, not seek our life. We become attached. We get so close. Uh, I, I remember an illustration about a vulture uh, in a cold day in North America who, who saw a, a carcass of an animal floating down a river. And so the vulture swooped down and started feeding on that carcass. It was good meat. He saw way in, the future, way in the distance there was a big waterfall, but he wasn't worried about it yet. So he continues feeding, feeding, feeding. He looks up again and the waterfall is getting way closer. But he thinks he's got a few more moments, and so he continues feeding. At the last possible moment, as that animal is starting to plunge down that waterfall, he spreads his wings to fly away, and he can't. His claws have been frozen to the body of that animal. Oh, He's plunged wow. to his destruction. Isn't that what happens to us? We get so attached and so involved in this life that we can't fly away. We can't detach ourselves and we are plunged to our destruction. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't seek to keep your life. Don't be attached 
to Sodom. Don't seek your own goods and try to make sure you've got all your possessions with you. Be ready to give all those up at a moment's notice. We need to have true spirituality where we long for the Lord, not long for what we have here in this life. And then the last point that he makes about his coming is that there'll be a great separation. He says, I'll tell you, on that night, there'll be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. There'll be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, the other left. You would think by the fact that they're in the same bed or working at the same profession, they would have the same destiny, but that's not the case. There'll be an irrevocable uh, division between the two. Like Noah was taken into the ark and the rest of the world was left to the flood. Lot was taken to the mountains and the rest of Sodom and Gomorrah were, were left to destruction. That's what's going to happen. There'll be some that'll be taken, that is, blessed with eternal life, and the rest will be left for eternal judgment. And that, that's, that's a very sobering picture to think about, that division occurring. It may be in your household. It may be on your job. Some will be taken to be with the Lord, and others will be left for eternal destruction. Those are not pleasant teachings. Those are not the kind of things we like to th- th- hear about that Jesus spoke about. But we need to. Jesus warns about his second coming often. Yeah. And he often, I mean, not only in his teaching, but the apostle said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. We need to prepare for it. That's exactly right. And look at what he says in verse 37. Answering, they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. The buzzards and the vultures come to the dead body. And those who are spiritually dead will be fed upon by the buzzards and vultures. In other words, they'll be destroyed because they're, they're spiritually dead. It's only those who are alive in Christ that have the victory when he comes back. We, we have no idea when he's coming. It could be at any moment, but we need to be prepared. We need to be spiritually alive and thriving for us to be prepared for his coming. So you mentioned, Gary, Jesus says a lot about this kind of thing. Maybe some who are listening, this is kind of a new idea to them or a new way to look at passages like this. What other passages would you say kind of parallel the same kind of final coming of Jesus would you think of? I'm thinking of like the last part of Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. Talk about that at length. Yeah. And and Jesus often does that. There are plenty of passages throughout the rest of the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Uh 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 rather is very strong about that. And as we start reading the Bible more and more, we see messages of judgment and warnings about eternal destruction. Those tend to be the kind of things we haven't looked at very much because they're uncomfortable. Right. And I think about the teaching of resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. I believe Jesus talks about it in John 5. And then Paul mentions some of it in 1 Thessalonians 4. And so I really think what Gary, you've put out is is a helpful thing to see that's consistent with the other teaching in the New Testament. Yes, definitely. We, We definitely need to prepare for Jesus to come back. This world will not last forever. Jesus is coming back. Will we be ready? And when he was ascended, I mean, the angel said, in the same way he went, you will see him come back. He will. Amen. Thank you for listening to the It Is Written podcast. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, feel free to send Gary an email at garyfisher1063 at gmail.com. We hope you have a blessed day.